Good morning. Good to worship with you. Uh, if you're new here, my name's Fred. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you. Uh, just thank you for coming and checking out Redemption. If there's anything we can do for you while you're here, please let us know. I do have a couple of announcements, uh, four to be exact, and I wrote them down. And I didn't bring the paper up with me. <laughs> um, but I do know uh, that tonight we are having another worship service. Uh, we don't always have Sunday night services, but um, we planned this one because we want to we want to be a reproducing, multiplying church. And so uh, we need opportunities to train people to lead and to teach and to preach. And so we don't always have enough opportunities on Sunday morning for that. And so uh, this evening is dedicated to training up some folks. And so we've got a couple of guys who are going to preach about 20, 25-minute messages, two to be exact, Michael McKee and John Peck. And so I encourage you to come out and hear them deliver deliver the word of God. We're also going to do some worship together. So tonight at 6 p.m., it's going to be a, a fairly relaxed, compared to Sunday morning, fairly relaxed uh, environment. So feel free to come out and worship with us tonight at 6. Also, Easter is just around the corner, as I'm sure you've realized by now. Uh, we are doing something we did. We started last year where if you sign up on our, um, through our Facebook page, you can receive daily texts throughout Holy Week, and so that'll start next Sunday on Palm Sunday, and each, each day of Easter week, we'll just send you a short text that uh, gives you something to reflect on that Jesus did throughout Holy Week, and so we'll kind of be following Jesus to the cross uh, and encourage you to do that, and uh, you can sign up again through our Facebook page for that. Also, don't forget we have a Saturday night service Easter weekend. Actually, we have four services that weekend. They're all going to be the same except for one thing, and that one thing is Friday night we will not have baptisms. Friday night at Sarver at 7 p.m., Saturday here at Lower Borough at 6 p.m., and then our regular 9 and 11 Sunday morning services Easter. So please find, uh, find somebody to bring with you. As you know, Easter is a time when people are much more open to attending church. And so if you uh, can think of some people that you want to invite and bring them to one of those four services Easter weekend, Saturday and Sunday morning, we'll be doing baptisms. So please be here to celebrate uh, with us for that. Uh, one of the other things that I, I'm remembering is we have a craft fair coming up in May, and that is to raise money for our mission team going to Malawi. And so what we need right now is if you are a vendor, if you sell um, things that are, um, would be a good fit for a craft fair, then uh, please let us know. We would love to have you come and set up a table. Also, if you make things and want to donate them, we're going to have a couple of tables that are de dedicated to just selling things that all of the proceeds will go to towards the trip. So if you want to donate anything that you make or sell, uh, we would love to have that and, and take that as well and use that to get our team over there to Malawi this summer. That team, by the way, uh, really looking forward to this trip. We have an incredible team and uh, some great ministry opportunities coming together this summer in Malawi. So be, uh, please continue to pray for that. All right, I hit three out of four. That's not too bad. Um, the other one's probably the most important one, but I don't remember, so we're going to move on. We're going to be in Colossians today. We're almost done with Colossians. We have one more week in Colossians, and then we are going to, uh, of, that'll take us up to Easter. Um, of course, Easter Sunday, we'll be talking about the resurrection. That's where we're going to go on Easter Sunday. And then following Easter, we're going to get into the book of 1 John, and that will take us well into summer. And so that's where we're headed the next few weeks. But today we're in Colossians chapter 4. 
I'm going to read verses 2 through 6, and as I do so, you can either follow along on the screen or you can follow along on a Bible that you may have brought with you. Let's look at Colossians 4, 2 through 6 together. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for, for us, to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer each person. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we consider your word today. I pray that you would open our minds, our ears, our eyes. May we receive the truth that you desire for us to receive from your word. May we learn how we ought to live in this present generation. May we be wise. May we be prayerful. May we, may we be people who spread the life of the gospel. Father, I pray that you uh, would clearly instruct us and give us hearts that are eager to obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about living as citizens of a kingdom that is within a kingdom. Our, our theme for this series is living in the kingdom, and that comes from Colossians 1, which says that Jesus, that through Jesus, God has rescued us from this domain of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his son. And so, in other words, through Christ, if, and I'm going to be speaking today, you know, each Sunday is a little bit different. We just take what the text gives us and, and, and try to apply that appropriately. Uh, but I'm going to be speaking primarily today to those who have already placed their faith in Jesus and committed themselves to living as citizens in his kingdom. And if, if that's not you, if you're just here today, kind of maybe somebody made you or you're just checking things out, you just want to explore uh, Christianity or whatever, that's great. We're super glad you're here. Uh, but just know that I'm going to be speaking to those who have already made that commitment. And this might be helpful for you as well as you consider what it means to be a Christian and if that's something that you're prepared to do. But, but if we have been transferred into this kingdom where Jesus is the king and we are citizens in that kingdom, then how do we live as part of this kingdom which coexists with earthly kingdoms? In other words, uh, we are sort of dual citizens. You know, folks who have dual citizenship have legal citizenship in, in two different countries. And you can, you can find yourself as a Christian sort of... Per, um, confused or perplexed at times or finding it difficulty to know, I, I have a king, King Jesus, but I also have earthly rulers over me, and there is a earthly kingdom that I am a part of that have, has different rules than the kingdom that Jesus has brought me into. So how do we live? First thing you'll see on the handout is this question. How should we live as citizens of the already but not yet kingdom that Jesus has brought us into. Already but not yet is a common expression for how we are to understand the kingdom of God. We are in a kingdom that already exists. Jesus has already gone to the cross, 
defeated death by raising from the grave. He has ascended into heaven. He is the sovereign ruler over all of his creation. So there's a a very real sense in which his kingdom is already. But we also know that the, the total fulfillment of his kingdom and our experience within it is not yet. There's more to come. We're kind of in this in-between phase where we've already begun to live as citizens in his kingdom, but yet there's so much more to come. And so that's what I mean by how should we live as citizens of the already but not yet kingdom. Let me give you three things that I see here in Colossians 4. The first one is pray. You see that on the handout next. If we are citizens of a kingdom that is already not yet and we are experiencing the uncomfortableness or the tension of being a part of one kingdom and yet having to live in another, we need to be people of prayer. This is where Paul begins in this passage In fact, he says three things about prayer, and and these won't be separate points on the handout, but I would encourage you to write them down. First of all, he says of prayer, devote yourselves to it. Verse two, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, nearly everyone prays, whether, whether or not they are praying to the right God or the only God, and whether or not they are praying biblically and praying correct prayers, everyone, almost everyone prays. At some point, most of us reach out to something that is beyond us. And so it kind of, it kind of seems unnecessary to command Christians to pray because Christians, of all people, ought to be people who pray. But Paul doesn't just say to pray. He says to devote yourselves to prayer. Man, that really hit me as I was looking at this passage and thinking about what that means. Because I was thinking, oh, I pray. You know, I was like, this first point's going to be easy because I got this. I pray. I pray all the time. I pray every day. I pray throughout the day. I'm I'm always lobbing prayers up to God. Hey, God, um, you know, need help with this. I just got a text message. This person needs prayer for this. I'm praying for that. You know, I'm always, always praying. But when I thought about it, could I say that I devote myself to prayer? To devote yourself to prayer means that it's, uh, among other things, it's a first priority. It's, it's not something that you, t- that you sort of tack on to whatever else you're doing. It's, it becomes the thing that you're doing. We need Christians who are devoted to prayer. We need to be a church that has devoted itself to prayer. We, because when we pray, we are, we are communicating with the God who has the ability to do anything. And so we want to be devoted to prayer. We don't want to just be casual about prayer. I see Isaac sitting down here. Isaac runs the, the mat factory. Isaac, is there a difference between people who come into the mat factory and they're sort of casual about wanting to learn martial arts and somebody who's devoted? Pretty big difference, right? If you, if you want to master anything or if you want to become proficient at something, then you need to be devoted to it. You need to wholly commit yourself to it. 
Casual Christians pray when it's convenient. Serious Christians devote themselves to prayer. So Paul says, he says that. He says that about prayer. Devote yourselves to it. But he goes on to say, and stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Uh, That's so interesting. The second part of of verse 2, stay alert in prayer with thanksgiving. What does it mean to stay alert in prayer? Well, it's, I think, a Uh, an acknowledgement of the reality that we live in the midst of a spiritual battle. And in a spiritual battle, you need to remain alert. I've always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed war movies. Uh, I remember when HBO did this year's Band of Brothers, that was one of my favorites. I've probably watched that series like six or seven times. And I always think, when I think of this, I think of the scene um, when they're, they're, they've dug out their little foxholes and they're on the front lines and they're constantly getting shelled by the enemy and there's explosions around them and they're trying to sleep and yet there's this need to stay alert. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are in a battle facing an enemy that is resilient in his desire to destroy us. We must stay alert in prayer. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says it this way. Peter says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. I don't want to paint too intimidating of a picture of the battle that we're in, but Peter says, your adversary, the devil, is like a, a roaring and roaming lion looking for someone to devour. Therefore, be alert. Be alert. How do we stay alert? We stay alert in prayer. We stay alert through, through conversation with God. God, keep me aware of the battles that I am in the midst of. Keep me aware of the temptations that I'm walking into. Help me to be prepared. Help me to be ready for whatever's coming my way next. Let me remind you as we pray one of the important things to understand about prayer is that prayer, you know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, how did he teach them to address God? He said, he said when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven. The reason I think that's significant is because it says at least two things about God. One, he's our Father. And as our Father you can expect that he cares for us, that he is, he is interested in and he is invested in our health, our well-being, our, our spiritual growth, our protection. He is our father. Now, I know not everybody has perhaps a, a good earthly father, and so perhaps your understanding of, of God as father is a bit skewed. And that's something that some of us have to work through. But I can tell you this, if I call up my dad any time of day and he answers the phone and I say, hey, I need you, 
I have his full attention. A lot of times my dad will, I'll call him and he'll pick up the phone and he'll say something like, hey, I'm in a meeting, can I call you back? And that's his way of saying, look, if this is something important, let me know. I can I walk out of here right now, but if it's something that can wait, let's, let's talk about in a little bit. And I can guarantee you, if I say, hey, I need to talk to you right now, he's gonna say, all right, give me one second and he'll walk out of that meeting because he's my father, he cares. I'm a priority to him. And when we, when we talk to God, we're not talking to some aloof deity who doesn't really care about what's going on in our lives. We're talking to our father who loves us. But it's not just that he loves us. Jesus says, pray our father in heaven, in heaven tells me where he is and what sort of authority he has. See, I can call my dad and say, hey, I need you. And he can say, I'm all ears. I'm your dad. I love you. And I can say, I need about $10 million to get out of some trouble. And he's going to go, well, you're going to have to call somebody else. (laughs) I don't have $10 million and I wouldn't give it to you if I did have it. But when we pray to our Father who is in heaven, we are connecting to the highest authority possible. There is no one above him. We've gone straight to the top. Now, it's, re- it's really good practice to ask other believers to pray for you whenever you have specific needs. We should always be sharing prayer requests. But, but don't let that deceive you or, or, or cloud your vision from seeing that you have direct access to the God of the universe. He's your father. He cares for you. And he is in heaven. He is on the throne. He is the ruler of all of creation. He cares because he's your father and he can because he's God. And so we have this this incredible motivation to pray. And so when we're talking about devoting ourselves to prayer, when we're talking about staying alert in prayer, we're talking about talking to the highest level of authority who just happens to care about us more than anyone else could ever care about us. That is an incredible opportunity to get to talk to a God who loves me who listens to me, who has the ability to do anything that I could ever ask him to do and far more. What a privilege that is. But Paul doesn't end there. He, doesn't, he not only says devote yourselves to prayer and stay alert in it, he gives them a specific thing to be praying for. He's, he tells them to pray for open doors for the gospel. Make sure you jot that down if you're taking notes today. Pray for open doors for the gospel. Sometimes our prayers don't go beyond praying for those who are sick or in need or in trouble. And those are important things to pray for. God cares about all of that. But how often do our prayers really get to what is most important, and that is the advance of the gospel? What people need more than anything is is not just prayer that they come through a surgery well or that they find healing from some sort of sickness. What they need more than anything is to receive the gospel. And so Paul tells the Colossian believers to pray that doors would open for the gospel. This is how he says it in verse three. 
He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Paul is saying, first of all, let's, let's unpack a couple of things here. When he says to speak the mystery of Christ, he's referring to the message of the gospel. He uses that language several times in his letters. The mystery of Christ is the message that Jesus, that God had planned before time, yet had kept as a mystery his plan to send forth his son to be the atonement for our sins, to go to the cross in our place, to rise from the grave, to ascend into heaven. This is the mystery of Christ. It is the message of the gospel. And it's a message that not, isn't always welcome and many people don't want to hear. And therefore, Paul says, pray, pray, because God can open doors that man cannot God can open doors for the gospel to be declared where otherwise it could never get in. Paul, in in his own experience, while he was in prison, got to share the gospel with people who otherwise probably never would have encountered a Christian and heard the gospel. And he saw that appropriately. He saw that as God opening doors so that... so that he could speak the gospel into those situations. I've been focused on praying for the same thing lately. And I did a funeral um, a week or two ago, and a woman came up to me after the service, somebody I, I never met, I didn't know her, and she said, I was praying for you this morning. She knew the importance, as a believer, she knew the importance of the right words being spoken at that time so that those present would hear the gospel. I thought, man, that's awesome. Here's a, here's a Christian that understands Colossians chapter four, that we need to pray that doors would open to the gospel. Pray this for yourself and pray this for the believers around you. Pray, you may be going to work every day, beating your head against the wall. Like I can't, I don't know how to share the gospel with these people. I don't, I don't know how to, to get the word out to them. And what you need to do is you need to pray. You need to devote yourself to praying that God would open the door for the gospel. And then don't be surprised when he opens that door and when opportunities sometimes come out of nowhere and you go, oh man, this is a chance to share the gospel. But Paul doesn't just say, pray that the doors would open. He says, pray that I may make it known as I should. Typically, more doors open then we see the faithful proclamation of the word of God. Oftentimes we miss those opportunities. Oftentimes we don't take those open doors because one, we weren't prepared. Perhaps we weren't staying alert in prayer. Or two, we just got kind of gun shy and backed down and and didn't have the guts to do it in the moment. And so Paul says, don't just pray for the doors to open, but pray that we would faithfully proclaim the gospel. If you're not sure what to pray for this week, let me strongly encourage you. We need you to be praying for the gospel to go forth. 
We need to be a church that is praying, God, open doors in our community. Open doors for the gospel to be heard. Open doors for people who had previously been closed off to the message of Christ to be able to hear it again and pray that we would be bold enough to declare it. That's one of the most frustrating things to me as a Christ follower is when I've kind of caught off guard by an opportunity to share the gospel and, and sort of either fumble my way through it or just miss it altogether because I wasn't ready. Let's be praying. Maybe the same is true of you. Maybe you've experienced that. Let's be praying that God would make us ready at any moment to share the gospel. So how do we live as citizens of the already but not yet kingdom? One, we pray. Number two, next thing you see on your handout, Paul instructs us to act wisely. He says in verse, let me give you a second to write that down. He instructs us to act wisely. In verse five, he says, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. We live in a time when to, to live faithfully as Christians, we need wisdom. How we ought to respond to the cultural environment that we are now in, and what I mean by the cultural environment is that for the most part, the world around us is decisively heading away from the revealed truth of Scripture in many areas and in many facets of life. When it comes to how we, first of all, whether or not we believe there is such a thing as absolute truth, and then how we apply that truth to our lives, how we are to understand the Bible, and how we are to live in light of the Bible, for the most part, our culture is separating itself at an alarming rate from those kinds of ideas. And so we as Christians need wisdom. What do we do? How do we respond how do we, what does wisdom look like in, in this time? And, and let me say this, not everybody needs to respond the same way. Some people are, are really passionate about one response and they think all believers need to respond the same way and other people might be passionate about a different response and they think all believers need to respond that same way. And let's just say, you know, these are, these are wild times we're living in. And it's okay if you're not responding the way everybody else is. Let's just say that we need to be wise. We need to act wisely toward outsiders. Outsiders are those who, who have not embraced the gospel and submitted themselves to the authority of God's rule within his kingdom. Those are the outsiders. And outsiders are not our enemies. They're people that we hope to bring into the kingdom with us. They're people that we are praying that, that God would transfer them just as we were transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. And so we don't go to war against them. We pray for them and we seek to persuade them. We seek to convince them of the gospel because it's good for them. It's good news. But we need wisdom. And Paul says specifically in regards to acting wisely toward outsiders, he says, making the most of the time. 
making the most of the time that we have. You know what life is? It's time. It's more than that, I understand. There, there are more things to life than just time. But one of the predominant aspects of life is time. You have time. We don't know how much time. Some get more time than others. But life, in one sense, can be described as time. And so Paul is saying here that we are to make the most of the time. In other words, we are to make the most of our lives for the kingdom of Christ. We are to use the time that we have on this earth to advance the gospel, to rescue others, to participate with G- in Jesus' rescue mission of bringing other people out of that domain of darkness and transferring them into the kingdom of, his, uh, of the Son. And we get to play a crucial part in that. That's what it means to act wisely and make the most of the time, to use our lives for what will count for eternity. What percentage of what you do with your life is going to matter 100 years from now? Think about that. Let me just think about your schedule. What percentage of what you do in the next seven days is gonna be worth talking about 100 years from now? is going to have done something that will matter a hundred years from now. I remember seeing, I remember seeing my grandfather who, this is no, in no way any sort of indictment of how he used his life. He was a faithful man in so many things. Um, but one of the things how I watched my grandfather happen in my grandfather's life was he was always working on his, on his property. Because he was a hardworking man, he would work all day, he'd come home, and he would just work at maintaining his home and the, and, and the property that he lived on. And he took such meticulous care of what God had given him. And again, I think that's good. I think that's important. But what stood out to me from that was that immediately after his death, it all began to come apart. I don't mean it just like overnight crumbled. Just like where he was pulling weeds, weeds started to grow. Where he used to maintain things, things started to break down. And it was just this like, wow, I just watched this man for the last 30 years of my life um, just so meticulously care for this property. And, and it was just such a helpful picture of how so much of what we do is not going to matter a hundred years from now. I'm not saying no, take care of your house because you, that's part of being a responsible person. That's part of being, living out the image of God is that we, we cultivate. But I'm just saying, keep in perspective what you're doing with your life because some of it isn't going to last into eternity. So Paul says, act wisely. Make the most of the time that you have in your life. The third and final point I wanna make from this passage, not only are we to pray and to act wisely, but Paul instructs us to speak life. 
So let me just step back, make sure you're, you're, you're tracking with me here. I'm talking about how do we live in a world that is essentially at war with the message of the gospel and the things that we hold dear. What can we do? Many, many Christians are panicking today. Many Christians are grieving today at the, the, the direction that society is heading. I want to give us some things, some positive things that we can do. One, we know we can pray because our Father sits in heaven. Two, we need to be sure that we are acting wisely, that we are asking God for wisdom on how to, how to live in this war that we live in. Three, we can always speak life. I think Paul, when it comes to acting wisely, Paul gives us a principle here. He doesn't tell us what to say in every situation, but rather he gives us a principle to live by. This is what he says in verse six. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. I just summarized that as speak life. Let your speech always be gracious, when I think the heart of what's being said here is that when you speak to other people, particularly those who are on the outside of this kingdom that we are citizens of, when you speak to other people, speak with the intention of bringing about their good. Speak with the intention. We, we fall into the trap of, I started to hit on this earlier, seeing those who are on the outside as our enemies. We want to tear them down. We want to defeat them with arguments. We, we want to overcome them in some way when in reality our intention toward them ought to be life. We want them to experience the eternal life that we have been given in this kingdom and so our speech is to be gracious. Our speech is to be for their good. I love that Paul says, seasoned with salt. Salt serves a very important purpose in the culinary world. And uh, if you're like anything, if you grew up anything like I grew up, you might relate to this. Some of you, um, <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this. Some of you, your parents are... are fantastic cooks. Some of you had moms like mine, though. <laughs> and my mom, she, I mean, she has mastered a handful of dishes. There are a couple of things that she makes that I'll fight you to get to it. I mean, like, she can really throw down on a couple of things. But for the most part, my mom used to make uh, what she called casseroles. The only thing casserole about it was that it came in a casserole dish. And she would just, it was whatever she had available at the time. And often, you know, occasionally she'd, she'd hit a home run. But for the most part, you're like, mm, mom, this is really good. And you'd reach for the salt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Salt has the ability to transform something mildly offensive into something palatable. The same is true of our words, though. We, our words are to be seasoned with salt. It's possible to take... Listen, the gospel is offensive to non-believers. We're not 
I'm not talking about watering down the truth. I'm not talking about compromising the gospel. I'm not talking about shying away from saying the important truths that we find in the word of God. But it is possible to take something that will potentially be offensive and make it somewhat palatable. That's, that's our goal. Because our goal is not to beat people over the head with the truth. Our goal is to speak life. Our goal is to speak for their good. Our goal is to persuade them of, of what they need to believe in regards to the gospel. That's what I mean by speak life. Paul says, follow this principle. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you know how you should answer each person. And we live in a world where people are just arguing and debating over all of these things all of the time. And we can become kind of concerned or worried, like what, what if I don't know how to answer somebody? What if I don't know what to say if they raise this objection or ask this question? Just, just here's the principle, just speak life. Just, just do your best to season with salt the truth that God has put on your heart to speak. This is why our mission as a church, our mission statement is to declare and demonstrate God's plan of redemption. Declare that the message of the gospel is a message that God has conveyed through words. It must be spoken. It must be declared in human language. We, sometimes, when you take one or the other of these two pieces, declare and demonstrate, and you only do one, you fall into error. A lot of times Christians will become, our approach to being a witness to the world will be, well, I'm just gonna live out the gospel and hope that people come and ask me questions or ask me why I live the way that I live. And that's, not a bad place to start, but we have a message that must be spoken. We have a gospel that needs to be declared. On the other hand, if you're all about declaration, but you don't demonstrate the gospel by living a gracious and loving life towards other people, then you discredit the message that you speak. Oh, you claim to love people because you share the gospel, but it doesn't look like you love people. And so we want to do both. As a church, we think it's really important that we, that we put both of these forward into our community. We want to be bold in sharing the message of the gospel, but we want to be passionate about demonstrating it through how we love the people that we are surrounded by. And Paul is saying something similar here. Your goal when you speak to those on the outside is for their good. Your goal is that they would hear the gospel and go, you know what, that tastes good. I want some of that. Because you have seasoned with salt. You have done your best to speak in a way that demonstrates your love and your compassion. Not to win an argument, not to say, well, what do you think about that? I stumped you, didn't I? That's not the goal. The goal is for life. I like what Paul says in Ephesians 6. It's very similar to the passage we're looking at today. He says, pray, he says this to the Ephesian believers. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known 
with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Paul didn't, when, when Paul went from city to city preaching the gospel, he was there he was there hoping that people would hear the goodness of the message that he was proclaiming. And he was wise about how he proclaimed that message. We see this demonstrated throughout the book of Acts that Paul would look to connect with something in, in, in their cu- cultural context to make the gospel palatable, but he never pulled any punches either. He didn't shy away from boldly declaring the message of the gospel. And that message was that he was calling on the people who were listening to repent of their sin, to trust in Jesus Christ, and to believe in him for eternal life. There is an offensive nature to that message because you're, you're, you're telling people they have sin that is separating them from God. We want to believe that we're all naturally close to God and that unless we've done something heinous throughout our life, that when we die, we'll automatically go and be with him. And the gospel says it's not true. We're not inherently good. We need to be rescued. We need to be rescued from the domain of darkness transferred into the kingdom. So we're talking about how we live as citizens of this kingdom. Let me just remind you in summary here, regardless of what situation you find yourselves in and regardless of the difficulty of that situation, you can always and you should always pray. Devote yourself to it. Stay alert in it. Pray that the gospel would go forth. Secondly, we should seek to act wisely. And to act wisely means that we make the most of the time that we have. That we make our lives about spreading the gospel Thirdly, finally, speak life. Speak with good intentions towards those that you interact with. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, which is true. We thank you that you have given us instruction on how we can live as redeemed people in a corrupt and crooked generation that rejects your word. May we be people who are devoted to prayer. May we be alert in it. May we act wisely, making the most of our lives. May we see every day as opportunities to work for your kingdom, regardless of our role, whether whatever job we go to or whatever school we go to or whatever we do uh, each and every day. may, May we learn to see that as an opportunity to work for the kingdom of Christ. Father, give us the ability to speak life to those around us. May we speak hard truths that need to be spoken, but with the grace of the gospel. And Father, I pray that through that, you would be pleased to rescue many from darkness and bring them into this kingdom that you have made us citizens of. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.